0: Last week, as I mentioned, we looked at uh, how we should not seek self-revenge when we are provoked. He said, You know, they say the, they've heard this said: an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Whatever he does to me, I'll do back to him, and I will enjoy it, and I will dwell upon it. And how, and that was the negative side, and today he will look at the positive side, loving our enemies. We just have to take for a second and just think about that. That's just what he here says and what our Lord is explaining in these verses is because religion... The Pharisees and the Scrabs who claimed to have interpreted God's law, that's how they interpreted it. You are to hate. You've heard that it, thou shalt love thy neighbor. You can love your neighbor. But what about your enemies? He said they said you're to hate your enemies. And basically what they were saying, you hate anybody that's not a Jew. What do you think the Jews didn't like the Samaritans or the Samaritans didn't like the Jews? They just didn't dislike each other. They hated each other. As long as you're a Jew, you know, we, we'll love you. You're my, you're my neighbor. What about your enemy? Your worst enemy. Turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 19. He's dealing with what? He refers to us here as children of God. What he's saying is what children of God must do unto those who hate and persecute you. And It's kind of ironic that at the beginning of this sermon, when he talked about the blessed, be it, blessed attitude of those who are children of God, that he they are right smart with persecution. He said, blessed are they. Which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. How are we to bear that? Rejoice, man, and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. No one locks persecution, but here's a mark of a child of God. If you're his child, you will be persecuted. There's no question about it because you're not of this world. You're not trying to. Now, the the world, those who try to be saved by the law, they love others who try to keep the law just like them. But those who know that Christ has kept the law in our stead, now they'll... Oh, no, no. I've even read that some said, well, these verses didn't apply to believers. They just applied to the Jews. I'm here to tell you they apply to all God's children. He said, you're the children of God. Blessed are the merciful. Who's that describing? Children of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the children of God. That's their character. That's their attitude. Why? He's made them that way. They're not trying to keep the law. Christ has satisfied the law. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to fulfill it. Well, what is the fulfilling of the law? That's why I said to turn Romans 12, verse 19. Dearly beloved, so we know who he's talking to here. Notice how we address dearly beloved. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written. This is not just something he came up with. You've heard me say they didn't have all they had and it was sufficient. was the Old Testament, the scriptures as it is written. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, in Revelation it says they cried out the souls under the altar, how long do you not avenge our blood? Eventually he will. And it's in his own time and in his own way. He says, vengeance is mine, I I will repay them. And he will. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And you say, Well, I like that point right there. I want to heap coals of fire on his head. That's not what that's meaning. What that means is. Hopefully through you being gracious and kind that God may open up that man's mind and understanding and heart and they may be converted. That's our goal. It's not that we just, well, I I don't really enjoy keeping that commandment, but I'm going to keep it anyway. He said, no. Be not overcome with evil. Be not overcome of evil. But overcome evil. With good. Over just one chapter, Romans 13, verse 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So how's the law fulfilled? Love is the fulfilling of the law. Christ our Lord did not come into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth not is condemned already. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What did our Lord do when he was hanging on the cross? Father, forgive him. Who's he talking to? Who's he, talk, who's, he, who's he interceding for? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I heard Don say one time, too many times we try to explain John 3, 16 to fit into our theology, whether we're Armenians or Calvinists. He said, just read the as a poor sinner that needs mercy and grace. I'm thankful God came to save sinners. You know, he loves, he loves sinners. He loved He gave his life for sinners. He came to fulfill the law in their stead. How do we know it? Love fulfilled the law. Satisfied it. Satisfied it. The law requires this is what the law requires. The law requires love to God and love to man. In verses 21 through 26 in this chapter, Christ exposed that where they said, thou shalt not kill. But he said if they just thought, well, if they hadn't committed the act, that they've kept that commandment. But he went on to say, if you have hatred in your heart, you've committed murder in your heart. Then verses 27 through 32, he dealt with the commandment of thou shalt not commit adultery. That it's committed in the heart. That's what he's showing. It's a a heart issue. It's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but what comes out of a man that defiles a man. It reaches his very thoughts. In verses 33 through 37, he dealt with, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And they were thought then they taught that they were some instances that they were justified in doing it. Then verses 38 through 43, last week Christ showed us that they had corrupted that rule of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Meanwhile, always take God's word and twist it and rest it to their own. Destruction. I said, "Well, this—you know what the Bible says. Well, what does it really? What does this say?" He said, "You've heard this of old times. You've heard this say so many times. You've heard it say it's okay to hate my enemy. So what? You know what they did? They hated their enemy. Hated them. Hated, despised. You know what this world does? This world hates our God." And if you're his child, let me me tell you, let me remind you, you're hated of this world. Hated. How are we to live in this world? How are we to deal with these things? The moral law of God was summed up in two things. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, I want to show you some scriptures. That nowhere in the law were anyone commanded to hate, now, this is even under the law, to hate their neighbors or their enemies. There's a lot of things I cannot explain. This is way over my head. All we have to do is just kindly glean what we can glean. You know, it's pretty simple to love your enemies. I mean, quit trying to just explain it or interpret it. That's pretty plain. You don't need a concordance to figure that out. Love your enemies. Yes, enemies. There's a lot of them. And you know the only way you can do that? It's by grace. The only one who can do that, the only one who ever loved the Father perfectly and the only one that ever loved his neighbor perfectly was one person. That was the Lord Jesus Christ. That's him. Turn to Leviticus nineteen, verse eighteen. <clears throat> Leviticus nineteen, eighteen. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. You know, some people bear grudges for years. I've heard of even family members getting mad at one another over something. They wouldn't talk. They wouldn't even talk for years. Even when the parent died, their parent, they wouldn't even get, uh, make up then. Or they just don't bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Then in Exodus 23, verses 4 and 5. If thou meet thine enemy's ox, or his ass going astray, thou shalt bring it back to him again. He said, well, he's his enemy. He said, this is what he required If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under a burden, and wouldest forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help with him. You say, well, he didn't deserve it. I think the last time I looked, grace is undeserving. Grace is undeserving. You know what? Not only was the world at enmity with God, we are by nature at enmity to God. Our mind is at enmity against God. Then Proverbs chapter twenty four, verse seventeen. I'm just trying to be honest, but reading these things is convicting. It's convicting because we know what's there. It says, Proverbs twenty four seventeen. Rejoice not when thy enemy falleth, and let not thy heart be glad when he stumbles. Pride goes before a fall. In uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love rejoices not in the iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, Believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Well, I knew there was nothing to him. All through the scriptures our Lord records those who were believers that fail. The righteous man falls seven times in a day. Rejoice not when thy enemy falleth. Nor, nor let the heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Then turn over one chapter, Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-one. If here's where Paul was quoting in Romans twelve, If thine enemy hunger. Me bad, a man sitting there and he was your enemy. He was just, you know, he was, he was just down, you know, he didn't have two nickels to rub together. He was just literally starving. He said, Oh, he, he deserves it. He's getting what he deserved. If your enemy hunger, feed him. Give him bread to eat, and if he thir- be thirsty, give him water to drink. Those are just the basic necessities of life. He didn't ask you to go with him a mile. He didn't tell it, you know, and he already mentioned that if he slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other. But I want you to see this in Psalms chapter 139. I know this could speak of David speaking, but it can also speak of our Lord speaking. Now, we know according to the scriptures, God does not love everybody. We know that. We know that Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. That he hates all workers of iniquity. We know that. We know that. And here in this psalm, Psalms 139 verse 20, I thought I'd just share this with you. For they speak against thee, and he's talking, they're speaking against God. They speak against thee wickedly. They blaspheme God. They speak irreverence of God's name. And thine enemies take thy name in vain. And they do. Notice the next few words. Do not I hate them? O Lord that hate thee. Am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? Yes, we are. And I know this has to be the Lord speaking. I hate them with perfect hatred. I said, I can only think of one that has reference to. I I can't do that. I, I, can't, I can't hardly put up with it. I can't I can't stand it when people blaspheme God's name. If I don't hate the evil, I don't love the good. That's just that plain. I don't I what you know, he's not saying for us to be passive, just to go sit down in some Armenian church and just just say, well, we're just all going to be able to get along. That never happens. It will never happen. But I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now when I understand that a little bit more, then we'll come back some other time and look at it. But that's how I think he's speaking. When he's our Lord, he does. You want to see some of the harshest language our Lord ever used in the scriptures? He's speaking to self-righteous religious people. And I don't think he was standing there smiling the day he walked into the temple. And they're in there making merchandise of his father's house. He got him a whip and he drove those people out. He said, you need to get out of here. You need to get out of here. And this world hates our God, and you know who more than likely is going to persecute you? The religion of this world. And they're going to do it for his namesake. For his namesake. The Jewish rabbis restricted the, restricted the word neighbor to friends or those closely related to them. Those of their nation, I'm quoting, and particularly those that belonged to their own party. <laughs> Doesn't that sound familiar. <laughs> we're going to see as I was picking with Sandy a little bit, you know, his reading there where it said, Let me find it. Uh, For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the Republicans decide? <laughs> let me think about it. We're living, in a, we we're living in a country. If you're not of one party or the other, there's a hatred. Right? Would you not agree? I would think, though, it didn't used to be that way. But, boy, it is now. There's a division. Well, there's no blue states. There's no red states. God established this country. And if God leaves it alone, you know what will tear it down? Hatred. You don't have to allow an, another country to come in and tear us apart. We'll tear each other apart. You think when the Civil War happened, you know what happened? It was brothers going against brothers, fighting against fighting against their own families. But they didn't belong to their own party, so we you know we can't we can't love them. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. They restricted the word word, I mean neighbor to friends or those closely related to them. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted our Lord. He's saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This man's wanting to be dealt with on, by the law. What must I do to have eternal life? And he said unto them, What is written in the law? How do you read it? How do you interpret what God's law says? Thou shalt love. And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto them, Thou hast answered right. That's the right answer. This do, and thou shalt live. You want to be saved by doing something? There it is. That do, and live. Now go do it. <laughs> you love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And you love your neighbor Better than yourself. Now go do that. Apart from grace, there's not a one of us in here can do that. Not a one. Not a one. But this man thought he could. Because look what he said. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Well, who's my neighbor? He's my neighbor. That guy must not be. Who is my neighbor? Tell me who my neighbor is. Well, he's going to give him an illustration. And, you know, that's the whole thing he was trying to do. You know what he's trying to do? He is trying to justify himself. All their works they do to be seen of men. Why do men try to keep the law? They're trying to justify themselves. If you can justify yourself, you don't need Christ. I'm justified by Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. The one who kept the law in my stead. And the law says, now, Mike, there's no condemnation to you. But this man wanted to justify himself. Who is my neighbor? Verse 30 in Jesus' answering said, A certain man went down to Jerusalem. To Jericho, And he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Didn't go look at him. Just went by. He saw him, but he just said, I ain't helping him. Went by on the other side. There's a couple ways you can look at that. He, the priest wouldn't do it, and the law Couldn't do it. The law condemns, but it cannot give life. It it can point out that you've been stripped, and you're nothing, but it can't offer any help. And likewise of Levi. When he was at the place, he came, he came a little closer, and he looked on him, but he passed by on the other side, and you know what he said? But for the grace of God, that was me. But a certain Samaritan. Wonder what that man, that thought man that came to our wonder what he thought when our Lord said, a certain Samaritan. You know why they hated the Samaritans? They were half breed Jews. When the children of Israel were carried captive, the ten northern tribes, they, they couldn't just leave that land vacant they brought people from other nations and they came and mingled in and that's where the Samaritans come from and they hated the Jews. And the Jews despised them. They wouldn't go through their country. Can you imagine what they thought when our Lord said, I must needs go through Samaria? You know, one day in a, in a derogatory term, they said, you're a Samaritan. That's who you are. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, Came where he was, and when he saw him, he not only saw him, he did more than that. He had compassion on him. No one else had compassion on him. There's a lot of things we need, but one of the many things that we do need is compassion. Compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. And I could see him sit down and pick up his head and give him a little drink of water and rubbed a little oil on his forehead just to try to relieve probably the fever or whatever. This man just laying there. It's like no one cared for him. But he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. What a picture of our Lord. He, he came to where we was at. He didn't just look at us. He had compassion upon us. And he poured in oil upon our wounds and he picked us up, carried us to, on his own beast. He didn't make us walk. And he brought us to an end. He brought us to a place where the gospel is preached. And he said, you take care of him. And if you spend any more money, when I come back, I'll take care of it. Now, then he said, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, well, he that showed mercy on him. You know, this man knew a whole lot, but one thing he didn't know, he didn't know who Christ was. Well, then Jesus said unto him, you wanted to know who your neighbor was. I just showed you. And he said, now, you go and do likewise. You want to be saved by the law? You're trying to keep the law? Do that. You go and do that likewise. And you know what? That man meant it. He had compassion. He, he, our Lord, he looked at Jerusalem, and he knew that they had their eyes. They had blinded. He's left leaving their house desolate, but his heart broke for them. He was moved with compassion. We can become so angry and so hard, we don't have any compassion for anybody. Anyone. Anyway. The teaching, as I've said, of the scribes and Pharisees was that the Jews are required to love and do good to their brethren after the flesh, but they're not only permitted, but it is their duty to, they told them it was their duty to hold bitter enmity against the Gentiles. You see it even after our Lord rose from the dead. Our Lord told Peter to go down to Cornelius' house. He said, I ain't going down there. He said, "I've never eaten anything unclean." God says, "What I call clean, don't you call unclean?" But they struggled with it. Why? Because they'd been taught that. You know, by nature we're prejudiced. Let's just admit it. We're pre- especially if you live below the uh, Mason-Dixon line. Y'all are a little bit farther north than we were down a little bit more south. But that—it's it, real. It's still there, and it's. We're taught those things. Whether we like it or not, we're taught those things. But you know what? Grace sets us free. Grace delivers us. Grace delivers us. But what they taught, it was nothing more than natural fondness for people. But I say unto you, he said, if we've spent some time on that verse, this is what they said. Hate your enemies, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Now, not just in word only, you love him. You know, love is a mysterious thing, isn't it? It's like when you fall in love and get married, you can't explain that. You, you can't explain it. You say, well, I, I love them. I want to get married. I want to spend my life with them. And you can't, it's hard to make yourself love somebody. I mean, either you love them or you don't. It's real. His love. It is real. But I say unto you, love your enemies, not just in word only. Bless them that curse you. You know who I thought about? David's walking uh, down the road one day. and This is after that he, everybody knows what he did with Bathsheba and everybody knows what he did with her husband. And this man, he may have been kin to uh, Bathsheba's husband or something, we don't know. But he's walking up here on this one ridge and he's cursing David. It's probably, uh, we probably would be ashamed to say what he was saying against David. He cursed him. And David's men loved David. Now, they loved him. You know what David's men says? Okay, you just let me at him. I'll take my sword up there, and I will take his head off. And he meant it. And you know what David said? Leave him alone. Let him curse me. You know what that is? That's grace. The Lord hath bidden him to curse me. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Like I said, our Lord said, forgive them for they know not what they do. If you want to, when you get time, go home this week, read Acts chapter 7 where Stephen preached. Preached. And they're stoning this man to death. It would be hard to love someone that was stoning you to death for just preaching the gospel. And here's what it says. The last verse of that chapter, Acts 7, verse 60, and he kneeled down. And he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said thus, he fell asleep. Don't lay that to their charge. And you know who was standing in that group? We know. I believe that had an effect upon Saul of Tarsus. He was zealous for religion, <laughs> but it was a religion without love. That's what it was. It nothing more. It was a love. it was a love for self. I wanted to justify myself before mean men. It's all about me. And this man's praying for somebody other than himself. Verse 45, that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he maketh the son to rise right us on the evil and the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. The son comes up on the whole, probably whole nations. Who have no clue who God is. It still shines on them. And he still sends rain upon them. We know that he sends it. It's like Joseph in Potiphar's house. He blessed Potiphar for Joseph's sake. But he sends it upon, if he sends rain on Jeff's house, it's hard for him not to send it on Sarah and Jimmy's. (laughs) Right? That's what he's saying. I send rain and, and sun upon these things. In Hebrew, I mean Ephesians five, verse one: "Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and given a, given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, for a sweet smelling savour. We are His children." Our Lord said one day, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. If you're a believer, you are a child of God. As children of God, of children of your father which is in heaven. Verse 46, if you love them that love you, what reward have you? If you just love those who love you, we being selfish, we love those who love us. You know what that is? That's selfish. We, we love them. You know why we love them, but they love me. What about the ones that hate you? What reward is that if I just love Jeff because he loves me? That's what he said. Where's the reward? What is it that, remo- that ref- Moses called Moses to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? which caused him to forsake the treasures of Egypt, to suffer affliction with the people of God. He loved something better than himself. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty five, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches, than the treasures of Egypt. Where was the real riches at? The treasures, greater riches. What greater riches? Salvation by Christ. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. That man's different. Men by nature don't just give up being the next Pharaoh just for nothing. He did it, and he willingly did it. He lovingly did it. Then verse 47, if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? How are you doing today, Danny? <laughs> How are you doing today, Jeff? What about you? I'll just, I just walk on the other side of the street so I don't have to face them. If you salute your brethren only, what do you not more than, what do you... What do you more than other? Do not even the publicans do that? Do they not not their brethren? Well, sure they do. And you know who the publicans, it's kind of ironic that he mentioned that Maiden made a point to bring out their name twice. They were a hated people. It would be like me being a Jew, and I'm going to work, go to work for the Roman government. And the Roman government is going to charge you a tax. They tell me what the tax is, and then I I tell you what the tax is. And you know what happens if the tax was $100? If I come to your house, I'd say, Linda, it's $200. She said, no, it's not. Yes, it is. You know what she does? She knows I'm cheating her, but there's not anything she can do about it. And they were a hated, despised people because, you know what, they were like turning on their own people. They said, do not even the publicans to sing? Yeah, they'll salute they'll salute another publican. And that's who they were. They were known they were known cheats. Here's one I thought about as to illustrate this point. If we just salute our brethren. I thought about in Mark chapter 9, verse 38, and John answered him saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy, in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbid, that we forbid him to, the kid, to keep doing what he was doing because he didn't follow us. But Jesus said, Forget him, forbid him not. For there's no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give to you a cup of cold water in my name because he belongs to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. They said, We saw one cast He ain't of us, he don't believe just exactly like us. Can I tell you a little secret? We can become proud of face, I mean, of race. We can become proud of faith, and if we're not careful, we can become proud of grace. What do you believe? Who made you to differ? Verse 48 Be ye therefore perfect. Is that what it says? Is that what it means? What is perfect? It's perfect. It means it's whole. It's without flaw. It's perfect. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. He said you are children of God. And let me tell you this. Those that God has saved, you know what they are? They are perfect. And it can't be received unless it's perfect. Perfect. In Christ, we've kept the law. In Christ, I do love God with all my heart. In Christ, I do love my neighbor as myself. In Christ, I am perfect. Not only am I perfect in Christ, but by God's grace, I strive to be perfect. You see, what are you talking about? Now, we know we cannot achieve that in our life, but we can't use it as an excuse. Well, you know I'm human. I, Jeff got on my nerves, so I'm just going to get mad at him. Here's what Paul said. Now listen, turn to Philippians chapter 3, and we'll close. This is a man who knew a lot. This is a man who had experienced a lot in religion. But this is a man that God had done a work of grace in this man's heart. Look what he said. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. I don't have perfect knowledge of God. I want to know more about him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowships of his sufferings being made conformable in, unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. And I know that can apply to a lot of things. God, help me to forget the past. Help me to forget what someone may have said. And I must do that by God's grace. That's my responsibility. Forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth into the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, as many as be mature, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, for until you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, And mark them which walk as you have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, whose mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. We're not dwelling about earthly things. Our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. One day he's going to change our vile bodies. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We know in this life we will never achieve sinlessness we will never achieve perfection. Paul said, I strive toward the mark. I, he said, I've, I've finished my course. I've run, my, I've run the race. God, God help me not just, just, just to read that and say, well, love your enemies. Then I go out and say, well, I can just treat them anyway I want to. I know this. I know whatever God commands Only God can give. You've heard me say that a million times. But there's a lot of truth in that. God help me to bring honor to your name and to live for your glory. And don't try to put people under the law. To point them to the the, the goodness of God leads a man to repentance. I hope that's been a help. Lord willing, we'll begin.